This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This podcast is brought to you by Midland Radio USA, your leader in overlanding and off-road communications. Also, join the brigade at truckbrigade.com, the best of the best for off-road and overlanding gear. Rigid Industries Off-Road Lighting. Own the night with Rigid. Radar Tires, an active supporter of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation and manufactured carbon neutral since 2013. Smittybill Off-Road, providing high-quality products built for living the off-road lifestyle. ICS Fabrication, designing industry-leading mounts, drawer systems, and off-road accessories. And Blue Coolers, 10-day ice at half the price. Welcome to the Anderson Overland Podcast. Welcome back to the Anderson Overland Podcast. My name is Joey Anderson, your guide host on this very special day. Once again, another uh, what was supposed to be an awesome podcast for you guys. Uh, actually it turned out to be an awesome podcast. Just my audio signal was very, very horrible. We tried to do a live broadcast and due to the lack of bandwidth and speed in my internet here at home, uh, it turned out really bad. Uh, our guest, Jeff Coxon from SciCan Media, um, Divergent Pathways creator, his audio sounds pretty well, um, but mine for some reason was just super low and watery sounding and uh, that sort of thing. So I apologize. We will get the bugs worked out. I'm going to try and do this live thing again because it was it was super fun and just uh, just kind of improv, you know, it wasn't really scripted. And I mean, nothing ever is with this. We try to make this as authentic as possible, but it's just something different, a little bit, a little bit more fun to do uh, the live broadcast. So anyways, uh, we're going to keep trying to do that and keep tweaking things, but bear with us. Hopefully you guys are able to get through this whole podcast and get something out of it. It was an absolutely awesome conversation with Jeff and, uh, just really good content. So enjoy and, uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm stoked that you're here. I know we've been talking about doing this. Uh, we met at the expo, right? Last, uh, yeah, standing in line for food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it was two hours. Oh my God. It took forever. It was so damn hot and windy. Yeah. Oh, 
that was crazy. I, I, uh, I remember like previous years, they were like, well, we need to get more food trucks and stuff. And then the more they get, the more people show up. And it's just like one of those things where you just can't keep ahead of the, the crowds, I guess, which is a good thing. I mean, it, that's the busiest I've ever seen that expo actually, uh, this year. Was it? I, uh, yeah. I haven't been back. That was the first one in four years that I had been to. Um, really? Yeah, so it was the first one with Lodestone doing the events after they purchased it. Uh-huh. But uh, I went to Colorado in 2021, and then I went to – no, that was it, just 2021. And then I expos really aren't my gig, man. I yeah. uh, I don't like the weird flex and dorkness that goes on with it, really. Um, I get the networking, and I was at Flagstaff to work. Uh, we had to get pickup interviews with Skinny Guy Campers because we missed some of the interviews because the wind was so bad. I don't know if you watched that episode I sent over, but – yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've the wind was just it was just uh, besides the first like day and a half, it was just relentless. And so we couldn't find places to get good audio. So we're like, screw it, we'll get it another time. And because of that storm that came through the, you know, skinny guy and Onyx, they had to leave early. So, right. you know, we headed down to Salt Lake City and got interviews that we needed for the first episode. Um, that one's crazy. That episode's insane. Um it's uh, it, it's kind of cool because the way the three worked out, you have a really fast paced first episode and that really sets everything up. Then you have a slow burn in the middle, which is the one you watched. And then the last one is just bat shit crazy. It is what goes on there. I can't even like begin like we we mildly script these right. Right. To a point to where we just know what we're doing. They're not scripted as far as like, you know, this is what you say. This is, everything's organic. I, I'm not going to do a scripted reality show. I think those are ridiculous. So, right. <laughs> but we have a schedule. We know what we're going to do. We know who's going to be involved. This one went so left field that we just it got to a point where we just gave up. I was like, you know what? Just, what whatever. Just, I mean, it, oh, we're oh, overland. Yeah, we're overlanding, then all of a sudden we're out on a lake drinking beers and whiskey. We're like, how does this happen with, with the dude we met like ten hours before? Right. So it, yeah, you know, it's you never know what's going to happen on our trips, man. It's just, it's, it's just, it's at this point we're just like whatever happens. I think when we if we end up doing another series like this, we're just gonna, you know, I I told Evan who you met with me in line, who's my my director, yeah, you know, I told him like dude, let's just grab cameras and go next time. Let's just, we know the starting point when we get there, we'll figure it out and let's just go and it'll be organic again. And we'll just know who we're going with and that's it. That's it. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you get the best content doing that, you know, I mean, stuff happens that you don't expect and it's, it's unplanned. I mean, that's kind of how we are on on trips. We get, we, we used to get so like drawn in on, okay, we need to have like, you know, one, two, three step, you know, like everything's set up, everything kind of planned out. And it's good to kind of know where you're going to go and, and what you're going to do for the most part, but, um, or the basics, I guess. But for the most part, we just kind of just head out and wherever we end up is where we end up. And, um, this last trip that we did in August, I mean, we went up for a month and I didn't have anything planned. We just looked on a map and said that looks like a good spot in the middle of the mountains up there in the in the peaks and um and that's what we went for and it was ended up being a pretty amazing trip because we had nothing really planned i i actually planned on going to overland uh mountain west during that trip and it just didn't happen and i'm i'm kind of glad that it didn't because it allowed us to to do so many things that we wouldn't have done you know trying to get to the expo and trying to get home before i had to be back to work and all that but yeah but yeah, man, like tell tell everybody who, who you are and what you guys do and, and what you're involved in, what's going on with you. 
Yeah. So Jeff Coxon, obviously. Um, so I own SciCan Media, and that's kind of how all this started. Uh, I started filming back in 2011 doing hunting shows and hunting and fishing, and, and that's kind of how I got my chops into filmmaking, I guess you could say. Um, I'm completely self-taught. Uh, I didn't go to school for this. Evan did, you know, guys like that. They, you know, they go to a school. They're, they're better than I am. Right. Um, I'm just, I'm really good at storytelling. I'm good at making these things happen. Um, I'm good at networking, things of that nature. Um, but having that help is, especially when I have to be in front of the camera, it's so hard being behind and in front and not, ha- especially when you don't have a big crew. We run with pretty small crews, you know, in, in that, that's good and bad. Like the bad part is it's nice having the extra people when you're out there and you have a sound guy and you've got multiple camera guys and PAs and everything else. And that's great, but that's a convoy of people. I mean, you're talking sprint multiple sprinter vans just to hold the equipment and the people, the logistics of it is a damn nightmare. And run this, you know, we all wear, you know, many hats and you get really talented people to kind of fill that. And we did that on this one because it was the first one, you know, this was, this was the first of, I'm hoping many of these docu-series right. and they're all going to be three part series in about an hour and a half a piece. And the one I sent you is probably the longer one at a minute. I think it's an hour and 43 minutes and, uh, and I've even shortened it down since then, but you know, we want them to just be able to tell the story, but you know, the, <laughs> we're hoping we have an, a real budget. I mean, this was self-funded. So wow. You're, a lot of money. I mean, there was very little, 90, I'd say 92, 93% was probably self-funded. Wow. And then we got some title sponsors for some of the episodes and there was a little bit of money involved, but for the most part, my company paid for this. And uh, it was an investment we made in ourselves. And something, our biggest thing when we sat at home during the pandemic was what is the off-road slash motorsports slash overlanding community missing and we think it's this and there's really only one name in the game as far as overlanding goes as far as full production that's we all know that's expedition overland right and you know i filmed with them i've had him on my show brotherhood of brew so god i'm getting ahead of myself here uh haven't had enough beer to calm me down yet uh so uh to go back further so 2011 i started filming uh and then I moved to the East Coast while my wife went to law school. And while I was out there, I was just teaching myself how to oh, wow. how to film. I've been a I've been a photographer since 1998, 97. And I started in high school uh, that I did go to school for. Um, I had uh, we had an awesome photography class uh, in high school, learned how to use dark rooms and actually create film, right? Film photos and which lost our thing in high school, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I actually was homeschooled, but we uh, we attended you know classes and stuff like things that we were interested in doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got into photography because my father um, was a photo a sports photojournalist for the LA Times and the Orange County Register for like twenty five years. Oh wow, that's uh, awesome! Yeah, he worked in the dugout at Dodger Stadium and Angel Stadium and stuff. And so being with him and being in dark rooms with him growing up, and you know, um, go visit these freaking crazy, crazy. Uh, you know, popular or, 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 um, you know, like 
baseball players and football players and only celebrities and stuff with him. And then yeah, I remember going down to the the dark room with him at the you know the LA Times and stuff as a little kid. I was probably like seven or eight years old and and sitting in there in the dark watching him do all this stuff is awesome, man. So, so many great memories with him doing that. It's a lost art. Uh, I'm hoping uh, we bought a house back in May and I'm hoping that in my basement I can build one once we do the build out. But that'd be so cool. I miss it, man. There's it's not easy. I know it'll take me a while to do it and it's hard to get the equipment to do it. But man, it's it's so much more rewarding than going on and doing something digital like that's cool, too, in its own own right. And like I fought like when digital first came out, I was so against it. I mean, it was like total boomer move but it and this was like probably 2005 2004 when digital really started coming out to dslrs instead of slrs yeah yeah and so i was still using film rolls for everything and i had a really good printer and you know the whole nine yards i had the dark room in my in the house that i was i was renting and uh then I just stopped. I didn't take any photos. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it unless there's art. You know, I'm not, I, yeah. I, I couldn't find the art in the digital side. Right. And I realized how much more I could shoot digital. Right. It was less expensive. It was more expensive to start buying the camera. I knew it was going to be 1500 bucks in two grand in and then all the lenses. And cause they're not going to match up with my Eden used to do. I don't have to carry a light meter anymore. I don't have to do shit. I just point and shoot and dial my stuff in the way I want it. And then I can digitally master it. And so I kind of played with it a little bit, but it was expensive and I didn't really have an avenue for it. I was in the car business at the time and, and that's what paid my bills and all the photo stuff and shit was on the side. And then I owned a string of stereo stores and sold that and lost my ass on some and, then the recession hit. And after the recession, I started thinking, I'm like, the car business sucks, man. It goes with with the economy. I want a job where it's like recession proof because I got smoked. I mean, we got smoked hard yeah, and I lost, you know, two, the same two, thing. yeah. I mean, like anybody, I lost two thirds of my income um, and I just struggled for a long time. I lived in Portland, Oregon at the time. And uh, so I started like looking down different avenues and then in 2011 or 2010 me and a buddy went to this thing called the full draw film festival up in portland it was the first one and it is a festival of hunters uh amateur filmmakers that made hunting short films oh wow and him and i i was like dude we can we can do this i i, I know how to do this let's make this and he's like yeah right and i was like no i'm dead serious i know how to i'll have to learn how to how to edit but I know how to shoot this. I know how to do, we could do this. Do we do crazier shit than this? <laughs> and, uh, he's like, okay. So like two three days later, I went and bought a camera wow. and then I bought a shotgun mic and you know, we winged it, uh, for a little while. I learned how to like, I think I made our first little film off of like a shitty, like movie maker thing that was on my uh, Hewlett Packard computer that I had back then in this tank of a laptop. I know and, like, like all that software back then too. Like you're just like, Oh my God, I can't believe the software we were using for this. Yeah. And I didn't know anything about like Adobe. I didn't know about final <laughs> cut pro I bought. I remember I bought this bootleg version of like Sony Vegas and I tried <laughs> to teach myself on it and I was so lost. Yeah. And this is, you know, and this is like, right when YouTube started getting really big and right. I started look, watching tutorials on that. And then I just, I was like, screw this. I gave up. 
And then I moved to the East Coast. So while I was in the East Coast, I bought a Mac. Uh, I bought some really good, I bought a DSLR. Uh, I bought like a, uh, I think I bought a Canon 60D, bought some lenses. And then I put a Craigslist ad out to a guy saying I will, or out to somebody saying, hey, I am willing to pay for somebody to come into my house and teach me how to edit. And this guy right. named Greg from a place called Neon Audio hit me up, said, hey, I charge 30 bucks an hour. I can come and do like two hour sessions with you two to three times a week. I said, done, do it. So he came in, taught me the basics of editing and then, then had me go out and do a shoot to edit. So I did this turkey hunt with a buddy, shot it to edit, came back, realized all the shit that I had done wrong. And then, uh, that's when he really taught me to edit. And after that, it was just like hit the ground running, man. I was gone. I was like, cool. I'm going to learn something new every single day. I would film my, I had two bulldogs at the time. I'd film them doing random shit around the house and out in the backyard, chase fireflies around, you know, in the front yard and get all this stuff. And then, you know, I was going out and like, uh, filming myself hunt, like fake hunting after season and stuff and like kind of setting up scenarios and things like that. And I just, I was editing constantly after and I was working 12 hour days. So I was up all the time just trying to find it and make it fit and work. I was like, this is what I want to do. And so fast forward a year later, I am in Los Angeles. Uh, my wife graduated law school. We moved to Los Angeles. Uh, I set up a group of friends that have, were like-minded all hunters and were interested in learning, you know, how to film. We hired this guy named Grady, flew to Portland, uh, and he did a uh, three-day like crash course um, or two day crash course basics of trying to get my guys to learn how to shoot, to edit. So their job were just shoot. They didn't edit. I was going to edit everything this way. They didn't have to learn too much. And, uh, then I got some, I hired a decent, two decent camera guys that have never been hunting before, which is always a blast, you know, <laughs> trying to take those bastards out there and our bears going to eat me. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, we went up and did that and we, uh, we started making stuff. I was like, holy shit, we've got something here. This is like, it's really starting to come together. I've got good B-roll. I've got some interviews. We made our first film and which is still somewhere on YouTube. And, uh, it, it, you know, I watched it again, like a couple months ago. Somebody's like, let's see your first film you ever have, you know, you ever really did. I was like, here it is. (laughs) And it's, it's well put together, but I'm like, I look back on it and I'm like, first you're like, Oh Jesus Christ. You know, I did that. But then looking, I was like, Dude, for where we came from, a bunch of redneck dipshits, this yeah. is actually not that bad. I do the my, same thing with, with my band. Uh, well, I've been a musician my whole life. When I look back at like old recordings and stuff, we're using like an old Tascam, like two-track or four-track recorder, you know, cassette recorder. And uh, the stuff that we made with that, just like I look back and I'm like, man, with what we had, like you said, what we had to work with, the equipment, it's just insane you know what we were able to do and we were young kids you know and same with like you know with audio editing and video editing and photography same thing with me too man i was like using like movie maker and um like photoshop element you know like the very first versions of photoshop and like Mm -hmm. four or five was like the thing back then you know that was like i think photoshop five four or five was like one of the groundbreaking versions and um yeah started getting into adobe stuff and and uh yeah, it's just so crazy how far things are coming. Like you said, I mean, you know, old film, you know, 35 millimeter or whatever you're using, you know, from back in the day is so much different than digital as far as, like like you said, setup. And, I mean, even now, like money to buy that stuff and even finding the stuff. I mean, gosh, even finding the chemicals for 
for uh, you know darkroom uh, photography or the uh, processing stuff um, is challenging. And uh, I, I was the same way as you, man. I was like, what is this digital stuff? And then I saw my dad switch over to digital and how awesome it was and the st stuff he was capturing with his DLR. And I was like, okay, I, I get it now, you know. And then he started. I started watching him making edits in Photoshop and seeing like the incredible filters and things he was able to do to these just basic you know insane photos but just how he was able to edit them and um it's crazy man and that that's uh that's funny that you know most most people i talked to were kind of the same way they're like yeah i was kind of not into the whole digital thing at first but then i kind of came to the light and figured out that it was you know kind of like the electric vehicle thing right now it's like i'm totally oh, against God. these evs you know but i know eventually i'm probably gonna be like oh, okay I'm, I'm gonna have to you know but not that digital was that way but it was kind of one of those things where, like, this is the new technology, and I kind of go to, I got to go that direction, whether I want to or not. But then I was like, you know, with digital photography and stuff, I was like, okay, I get this. But I'm like you, man. I like the old school, like vintage photography stuff too. Yeah, but there, it, you're limited on what you know. You can't do some of the shit you do with digital, no. man. Like, and that's where I like with light. I talk myself into going to that rabbit hole. I'm like, what can I do that I can't do with regular photography? And that was like, that was like how I really like accepted it. I was like, okay, there's cool shit that I can do here that there's no way I can replicate this in a dark room. It's just impossible. It's physics. It can't happen. But if I can like manipulate these digitally to do like HDR, I'm like, that's, that's where I really went. I went hard into HDR and time lapses and things like that. Like where I was like, dude, you can't do this with a, with film, a time lapse. I just made video yeah. out of photos. What? And, uh, I made the mistake though of watching this guy. Gosh, I can't remember his name now. Something Black, Scott Black, or I don't remember his name. But he had a uh, he had the series on Vimeo of just night lapses oh, and wow. star lapses and storms, and like they'd go for like they'd be like ten minute long videos. And I started doing the math. I'm like ten minutes worth of video. That is like, I mean, that's hundreds of thousands of photos. And if you were to cut them all together and, stuff. and then i found out like i watched another video he had on youtube about his workflow and he was editing them in after effects and i'm like holy shit dude i'll take you two weeks to do one of those five second time lapses totally yep. and i was like nope that's cool that ain't me yeah you know i don't have that time i, I have a kid and a wife and a, i'm working 60 hours a week minimum at my day job i was like i don't have time for this shit yeah. I was like, I would love that. And then it started making me respect digital more. I'm like, okay, I can see this is, this is what's up. The whole like night lapse thing with my, I just got the GoPro hero 10. Mm -hmm. And of course the two weeks later, the hero 11 comes 11 out. 11 comes out. Yeah. It always works that way. Yeah. The okay. same thing. I think I bought two tens like four months ago. And I'm like, right. Nice. Yeah. Thanks. I know. I couldn't believe it. But anyways, I, I've been using that night lapse thing, man. And we, when we were out on the road and, uh, Still trying to dial it in a little bit, but I was so bummed. We went out to our family ranch uh, last week, which is like two or three hours east of here. We've got 40 acres out there in the middle of nowhere, and there's no light pollution at all. It's just the side of oh, like Love it. Yeah. And we're out there. We are, um, my in-laws bought this trampoline for our kids, and they put it up on the hill up where our cabin sites are and everything. And I was laying out there with my daughter the other night, and it was probably like, I don't know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night. We we're looking up in the sky and it was perfectly clear. Just incredible, man. I don't think I've ever been anywhere where I've seen that many stars at night before and, and that much stuff going across the sky. It was unreal. And 
the Milky Way was straight up up and over us, and I was like, man, I wish so badly I had my GoPro. Of course, I forgot it because the night lapse would have just been unbelievable that night. You know, I was so bummed I, I missed that opportunity. But I and that's cool too because it's just like God, so bummed. Arizona has some really cool laws about light pollution, and yeah. I just recently Me learned too. this and. Like there's, it has to, can only be a certain amount of street lights. Like businesses have to shut their lights off when they're closed. Like there are so many cool light and it's due to light. Like they don't want the light pollution that like, you know, I live in the Bay area and it's, I mean, you're, you know, you see bigs, bright stars, but you don't see all of them. And then, you know, recently I would, excuse me, I was just up in uh, what, two weeks or a week and a half ago. I, what was it? A third, was it Friday? Oh shit. I don't remember now. It's just a blur now, but uh, I, I left like four in the morning, went up to Bozeman, Montana, grabbed my new skinny guy camper. And then, sweet. Uh, then drove right back the next day. And then I made it to like Gentura, Oregon. And I was there, uh, with a friend shy. He goes by, uh, out, uh, out and back Oregon and, uh, Oregon out and back. I always get it wrong. He's going to kill me. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he's got a YouTube channel. It's, uh, that's growing pretty funny. He, he uses a first gen Durango, which is, uh, interesting. You never see that. Never see that. But we're in this uh, at these Gentura hot springs and you just look up and it's just full on Milky Way, no moon, just absolutely gorgeous out. And I'm like, you know what? You just can't get this, you know, where I live. I've got to go. I've got to go about three out, three and a half hours away from this city to be able to get away from the light pollution. And I still if I'm shooting like my camera, I have to shoot east because if I shoot west, it still picks it up too much. Yeah, it's still too much. So I like my safe spot for like, if I really want to do some cool, you know, uh, star laps or Milky way or anything that's galaxy, you know, uh, driven, I usually go up by Mount Shasta. Oh, um, nice. there's almost no light pollution up there, but yeah. to get zero light pollution, you almost have to go in the middle of death Valley. As far as California goes, there's some stuff up in the uh, Sierras, but on the East side, like off the three ninety five. but you really have to go out of state here to get, you know, like really good shit. Um, there's some space, some spots up on the, on the coast, like close to Oregon, mm-hmm. but it's just, uh, it's so polluted here with light. Cause the cities are so big. Yeah. Um, and people don't understand how far that goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I know even just driving to back and forth to work at night from here to Southern California, man, I can see the lights, you know, I look North towards, you know, Vegas, you can see the Vegas lights over the mountains and you're, you know, they're really bright away still, you know, off the freeway mm-hmm. there, but, uh, yeah, well, where our property's at, it's it's just south of Seligman, um, you know, maybe an hour off pavement out there in the mountains. And there is just nothing out there, man. It's just awesome. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I'd i never laid up, you know, on something and looked at the sky out there that late at night with no moon. I had no idea how incredible it was. It was, it was like you're looking through this, like, you know, this dome, this glass dome it's in your in space or something. It's weird. It. It was uh, it was pretty humbling actually. I was listening to Joe Rogan the other day. <laughs> he was talking about being at the top of the observatory at, uh, on the main island of Hawaii, and how it was kind of the same thing up there. He's like, you know, we we went up there at night for this thing where you're at the observatory and you they open the the top and you're looking at the stars. And he said you felt like you're in space, and that's exactly how I felt the other night. It was incredible, man. It's Absolutely. awesome, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so how did you get in touch with uh, with Kristen and uh, tell us more about Divergent Pathways and and what that's yeah. Like. How's it going with that? Super yes. about that. 
I know, and I, we're almost uh, well. We're basically done with it now, uh, for the most part. We got some buttoning up. We had to. Oh, it's been such a pain in the ass. Uh, we had a date set. We were ready for it, like ready to hit it. It was going to be a tough one to hit, but we were going to hit it. We were dialed in for it, and uh, then Amazon was like, "Oh, hey, we got to change dates," so we moved it to the nineteenth of October, and then uh, or 29th of October, I think, or night. Yeah, it was the nineteenth, and. Then something happened with one of my editors uh, who had a family emergency, not a good one. And so I made the call to push it out again, which is the last thing I wanted to do because we have people like uh, Donald from Soft Roading in the West. We had people, you know, all the guy, all the influencers and, and friends that were involved with us on the first and third episode. They were all, you know, really gung ho about it, our sponsors and you know, they're, they're luckily hadn't really pushed much as far as dates go. They were just saying it was coming. It's going to Amazon. And then, so we had to push the date out and I pushed it out till November 23rd. Um, I gave us some breathing room to just kind of, you know, in case anything happened with uh, one of my editors, um, family members again, that I was able to take over for him right. and finish the project. And, uh, you know, it's out of his control and for us families first. So yeah. I don't give a shit about this project as long as family's good and he's good and healthy and, and he can take care of his family. So I made that executive decision to do that. And, um, but with all that being said, uh, we had to put, you know, push it out to November 23rd. And then we started getting some kickback from Amazon about certain stuff. And then, with them wanting to change dates and stuff on us, I'm like, nope, not doing this again. So I made the call to add YouTube for the premiere. So, oh. um, and, and there's also another thing. We shot this in five and six K for the most part, as far as resolution right. goes. Right. And Amazon only wants to air it in 1080. And we're like, really? You know, we have $40,000 cameras and 15, $20,000 cameras that are made to do 4K and 5K and 6K. And, you know, we dumb everything down to 4K so it works on TVs. Yeah, and you're telling me I can't because we're not a because we're not an Amazon original or a purchased movie, not series. It can only be in 1080. And so I said, okay, we're adding we're adding YouTube. Everybody now has smart TVs. They can watch this on YouTube in 4K yeah, and get to I see it how we saw it. Anything actually? <laughs> you same here. I, we yeah. actually don't even have I don't even have Comcast or cable or anything. We have YouTube TV. It's cheaper. I get more more channels. It's just I get NFL Red Zone still. So yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, we had to push it, um, but it is coming out November twenty third on YouTube for sure. Amazon, if they get their shit together, that's just where I'm at with it. This is my second show on Amazon Prime. First one was called Brotherhood of Brew, and uh, it killed. Uh, we are also on uh, an app, uh, smart TV app called uh, Drink TV. And we just murdered it on there in like every country it was in. Wow. Um, it actually probably performed better on there than it did on Amazon. And I think we ended up doing like, we had an 18 month contract with Amazon and we were like a year and a half, I think with uh drink TV. And we ended up doing like 74 million minutes streamed wow. on that series. Uh, it kicked some ass. We broke even with it, which is great. If I can get there on that, on this one, I'll be stoked. This is a far smaller budget. Uh, and it cost us a lot less because we only did three where I did eight episodes on Brotherhood of Brew. So it was way, I mean, you're talking way into the six figures to shoot that thing. And I did that out of pocket too, but there was a good amount of sponsorship money. But uh, yeah, so, you know, during the pandemic, we sat and I sat mainly and just did notes. And while I was growing our YouTube channel, our Rogue Element YouTube channel, 
And I'm like, what is, you know, I want to do full production. I want to do full production. And we shot a pilot down in Arizona um, with a badass crew and I shopped it around. It just didn't get picked up. Motor Trend looked at it a little bit. Some other places looked at it. I'm probably just going to release it as like a, like a two part series or something on, on YouTube or something. So people can actually see what we did, uh-huh. but uh, it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. So I rescripted it and came up with divergent pathways. I was like, I don't want to do a full TV show anymore. It's such a pain in the ass funding for it's a bitch making a pilot. It's all so costly and I don't want to do that. And I want to get to a spot where I don't have to work with sponsors unless I absolutely want them instead of a need. And man, I, I, I've just like picked like four or five people that I want to work with. And those are, those are the, the sponsors that we've decided to go with. And those are the ones that we pay attention to that we, you know, that we put content out for and that we, you know, prioritize. I'm saying with you, I don't want to deal with a bunch of people, nor do I have the time to deal with a bunch of sponsors. So we have some yeah. sponsors. And um, one of those, one of our partners that we just signed with uh, about, gosh, I think it was August 1st when we went live was uh, Waypoint TV outdoors uh, out hunting. Outdoors. Yeah, I think they've reached out to us before. Yeah, they they've been great. Um, you should contact them about putting some stuff up with them since you were kind of in that space at one point. Um, they just started an overlanding category, so we were the first podcast that they signed um, with their overlanding stuff. And um, nice, look into that. Yeah, definitely, because we have a lot of like short film stuff too, and um, like higher end cinematic style than just our regular YouTube stuff. And but yeah, so you know, I came up with this divergent pathway thing, and it was fairly quick. And I think like by December, I was like looking for somebody to partner with as far as production. And then, uh, Gene, who drives the Audi that is with us, um, he, uh, he's like, Hey, I know this guy named Evan who shoots some ridiculous stuff. And, um, he's like, Hey, you remember Brock? Who's our friend? He goes by nine, nine, six, uh, road trip. Mm-hmm. And he has a Porsche 911 with a rooftop tent on it. Guys, it's fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. Dude. He rallies the hell out of this thing. Every time I I'm looking up, he's, he's either, got a new Porsche or he's got four flat tires or three flat tires or something. Cause he's just rallying it, but he dude's That's awesome, man. Um, drives an old school Land Rover too. So, uh, but he's, he, they put out like these cool little like Instagram shorts that were like ridiculously cinematic. And I was like, yeah, dude, I like that style. So yeah, yeah. him and I talked, I'm like, Hey, partner with me on this. Let's do it. I'll find a way to fund it. You just tell me how much it's going to cost me. And, uh, you know, we'll do the damn thing. And then literally I think three weeks later, he's, he's flying into Oakland and I'm picking him up. And, uh, I think when I, well, Gene had to pick him up because I was putting my front bumper on my truck at like three in the morning. I ended up not even sleeping like that night. I struggled. I put the front bumper on except the final mount. He showed up with Gene just to help me put the last two bolts in. And then I had to wire everything. And then I had to put like my bed rack on. I I did that all by myself basically, except for that bumper part. And then I, uh, I thought I was like, okay, I'll work until midnight and then I'll sleep for like three or four hours because we had to be up at like four in the morning because we had to drive to Alabama Hills from, from Oakland. Oh yeah. And it's a long, yeah, it's an eight hour drive. So, uh, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, three o'clock in the morning and I'm still up and dirt from, you know, fingertips to elbows. I'm delirious. I'm trying to be quiet and not wake my weight neighbors up because my truck doesn't really fit in my garage. So it's half in the garage and I'm like dropping tools and at three in the morning, I'm sure everybody's pissed. <laughs> yeah. And I at the time I was renting in an HOA. So I knew I was going to get a letter and oh. 
but I knew I was looking for a house at the same time too. So I was like, yeah, you know, screw them. But so yeah, I ended up by the time we got to like, I think we we're around like, uh, Oh man, we were just outside of Bishop maybe, or like Mono Lake area. And, uh, I told Evan, I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. I had made it damn near the whole way. I'd been up for 24 hours, you know, 30 something hours at that point. Yeah. And, uh, I think I got a 10 minute power nap and I'm like, I just couldn't sleep anymore. I was like, so excited. You know, there's a train of, of rigs. Um, you know, it's like, it's two power wagons. It's, uh, my buddy, uh, Nate's lifted Tiguan. Uh, we have, uh, lifted Audi and then we're meet, we were meeting Harry Schoen who has a, uh, Porsche Cayenne. Um, and then our friend Jenny. And then I think that night our friend, uh, Stephanie, she came up with her, uh, she worked a 24 hour shift as a nurse and then drove over also. <laughs> so by the, she didn't show up until I was in bed already. And I was dude, I was drinking beers by like nine 30 and I, I don't even remember. I watched the footage and I'm telling all sorts of crazy ass stories from my you know youth. And uh, I'm like watching. I was like, I don't remember any of that. I was like so tired and so buzzed that I like don't I don't even remember. I remember waking up and it was windy as hell. And I, I there's footage of me like literally just sticking my head out of my rooftop tent. And I'm like looking around. I'm just like, oh, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's how I met Evan. He met me and we just told crazy stories the whole way over and, uh, met everybody in Reno for the most part and drove down. But, um, yeah, we, we, the first episode is basically about friends and different who have met through different walks of life. You know, each person has a different story. They get to tell about what got them into overlanding, what excites them about it. You know, some are full-time overlanders. Some are just, this is what they do. Some it's a part of their business. Uh, there's some really unique stories like Jenny Simons, who used to be on the U S ski team. She's 22 years old, builds trophy trucks and shit for a living and has this killer Toyota Tundra. I mean, she is, she was adopted from, uh, as an orphan from Kazakhstan and lost her mother when she was 11 years old, I think, and or seven years old, and then becomes this U S ski team. And, you know, she just has this incredible story of like resilience and self-made, you know, to where she's at in a male dominated space. And so that was really cool. And then hearing Harry Schoen's story where he, this six foot three or six foot four dude lives inside of this little ass Porsche Cayenne. Who's, you know, he's a, he's a veteran and just cruises around and makes his money off of social media and has a shitload of fun doing it. Uh, my buddy, Nate, who's also a veteran, uh, you know, he works for, uh, he works with me at got your six coffee company. And, you know, we do a lot, I've known him, he was my groomsman and my wedding and, and, you know, I'm so 2021, August of 2021, we're at, uh, we're at the, uh, expo in Colorado and mountain West. Uh-huh. And he was living in Denver at the time. And I'm like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm flying in from Denver. I got to shoot this TV show at the expo. You should come hang. I'll pay you for, you, you can be a production assistant or help me be a cameraman or sound guy or something. So he, he ends up camping with us and he's in this Tiguan who's it's, I think it was lowered at the time. It's a 2020 Tiguan and uh, he's all about performance and speed. And he's in a ridiculously good, like FPV drone pilot uh-huh. does racing and shit with it. And uh, so he's there and he's seeing all these lifted rigs and stuff. I fly home and like two weeks later, he shows me a picture and his Tiguan's lifted on thirties and like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm, I'm going to get a wrap. How do I put a tent on the top of this thing? You know, yeah. <laughs> and so now funny. it's all lifted and he met us there and 
dude, you want to talk about sending a car in, 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 uh, Death Valley, dude, by the time he left his hat, his rear bumper was hanging off. He had a dent in his door. He had like three different side panels, uh, missing. Uh, he popped a tire, his rims were all jacked up, but he went everywhere we went. There wasn't anything that he didn't like make the most it. Unforgiving terrain, like Panama. Oh, it's gnarly. It's gnarly. Crazy. And like we didn't go down the hardest trails, obviously, because we had two cars with us. You know, right. basically, we had an Audi all road didn't break down either, <laughs> and oh, and a t- power wagon broke down. Uh, Christian just grenaded his transmission. I had to tow him over 70 miles. Um, yeah, I had to tow him out. Uh, first, he broke down on our way to camp on the second night, and I had to tow him to the campsite into Death Valley on Butte Road to Warm Spring, uh, the old uh, uh mine there. And then in the morning, I had to tow him back out. We waited for AAA for like seven hours in Shoshone. And they never showed up, never called. I said, screw this, get in, put the tow rope back on. I towed him all the way into Pahrump and dropped it off at the Dodge dealer. And it sat there for four months. Wow. And uh, hours waiting for them? We waited for almost seven hours. We had lunch. We drank a bunch of beer. We just waited, like dicked around. And yeah, we're just, we're done. And so we ended up getting back to camp at dark. Um, wasted a whole day of filming and luckily the crew that stayed back, we left one camera guy, Braxton from welcome to the outdoors. He, uh, he killed it. They do. They went down and they found a mine to go down into. And then when we got back, they gave us like the grand tour of the mine. And then, um, which was cool dude, going like 300 feet deep, you know, in these, uh, borax mines, which later I started doing like research. I was like, Oh shit, there's asbestos in borax. I didn't know that. <laughs> Luckily yeah. it's very minute traces of it, but. Dude, I remember uh, getting that stuff when uh, I was with Boy Scouts back when I was a kid and we were in Death Valley and I remember getting a ton of that borax stuff out of the, out of the ground and playing with it. And, you know, and we were basically bathing in that stuff. And, uh, I had no idea that that was. <laughs> asbestos and that stuff either. That's mm-hmm. Wow. But we all have cancer now from that shit. I know. Well, you're going to get it from something. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. Might, might as well have fun getting it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of crazy stories like that in the first one. Uh, it's beautifully cinematic. It sucks. That you can't fly a drone in, in Death Valley. So we got to fly some drones yeah. on the outskirts of it and the BLM portions of it. Uh, the second one was a little crazier. We were down a rig because uh, Christian's power wagon was still out. It was on its second transmission. So he had already gone to Vegas, drove it all the way back. Two days later, destroyed the transmission again. Wow. And Toyota. (laughs) Oh God, no, we don't allow that. We don't allow that that fuckery. Um, (laughs) um, He was joking with me the other day. I'm just going to get a Tundra. I was like, well, cool. It was nice. There's nice knowing you, buddy. Uh, I'm sure uh, Tacoma Beast will want somebody to film for him. Right. No, uh, He's getting a, a new power wagon. The, the, those six-speed transmissions in the in the fourth gens are just garbage for the gas motors. Mm. But dude, this new eight-speed uh, that I have is just unbelievable. Uh, I put it through hell and back. I mean, I've had it for a, ye- a year and three weeks now, I think, and I have twenty-seven thousand miles on it, and it's been hard miles. Right. Um, the second one was about businesses and startup companies that make products for overland. So we met with skinny guy campers and Onyx off-road. They joined us. We went from Bend, kind of like this roundabout way down to Alver Desert. I kind of took them on an old motorcycle route that I used to take. Uh, We used to race it, uh, enduro enduro racing back in the early 2000s. It went from Bend all the way down through uh, these power line roads and like 
uh, around this dry lake bed, then up through Heart Mountain and then down ends in Alver Desert. It's like 300 something miles off road. So we did that. Yeah, it really was. And I was, so I bought my power wagon in October of 2021. And the same day I bought the rig, I bought a Thurin suspension lift for everything. So custom 3.0 Kings in the front, custom 2.5s in the rear, spacers, track bars, I mean, everything. Uh That was in October 2021. When we went to Alverd, it was April or May, I think it was April, still didn't have the shocks. I was lifted, but I was on a Thurin, just regular leveling kit that does well. It's springs, springs in the front, tune custom tune fox 2.0s in the front and then i ended up putting the track bars front and rear and a, st- a custom king stabilizer and from thurin so it did it did well when i was in death valley i i hammered it like i i was keeping up with my buddy who has a stage five thurin which is just full on everything I mean, he can jump it he's his front axles trust um it's it's bad and he's a he's in a 2016 i think he's in a fortune uh power wagon but uh it just wasn't enough. I was still on stock rear springs and the stock Bilstein rears. And we were so overloaded in the back that like every little washout, I would just hit bump stop. And I, cause I was down normally, you know, we were able to like, look at all of our gear and be like, okay, let's half it out to where it's even in weight or you bring this, I'll bring this. And it usually evens itself out. We got two big ass trucks with six, four beds and two camera guys with a ton of gear that fly in plus their sleeping bag arrangements we carry a huge tent for them we have one of those uh uh free spirit hubs that they sleep in and it's kind of like oh, their nice. home base yeah and yeah we set them up with the cots in there i mean they they do it right right but uh we learned on this alver trip that we have to bring heaters for them too got down into single digits the first night Yikes. um and then the second night was winds like 60 mile an hour wind gusts and got down to like low twenties. Um, I mean, they were putting clothes on, like I was giving them as much shit as I could. And then it was like my, you know, I, I have a small heater trying to keep me warm because I'm giving them all my warm stuff. Yeah. And, uh, that was an interesting one. It was, I mean, you saw, I, you saw kind of how that went. Uh, you know, we hit dunes up the first day, had a lot of fun out the gate, saw the A6 intruder crash site, which is always really humbling. Um, yeah. you see that in the P38 lightning crash site there on the Burma rim and, Went through, found out the road we really wanted to do was closed. I recently found out from my friend over at uh, Out and Back, Oregon, uh, is uh, there's a bypass around this road that was gated off, and I didn't know about it. We actually camped on the damn road. <laughs> that night, we went and found this like lake bed and camped next to it, and if we would have kept going straight on the, that bed, it would have taken us to this place called Shirk Ranch, which was built in the 1800s, and it's still oh. like so well-preserved uh, and which pisses me off thinking about that. But one thing led to another and then we ended up in Alver desert and it, it's a, it's just a really unique story. And, you know, it's cool to see like Onyx and like what they're doing with this industry. And I've been, this shows you how far back I go with Onyx. I remember when they first started in the hunting industry and we got sponsored on with them back in 2014. Wow. And that's when they like, like they sent you a memory card that you would put into your Garmin and it would upload all the maps for whatever state you purchased. And then I remember when it first came out, the hunt app was on your phone and we're like, Holy cow, I don't need to carry this GPS anymore. I can cache all my maps. And then 
we're talking about renewing our members or our sponsorship with him. And he's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, do you want to test out this off-road map that we have? And so we did that with brotherhood of brew and, and it carried over. So we've been with them a long ways and like to be able to tell their story and then what they're doing and all the things they're changing and what they do to like, you know, for the industry was really fun to be able to have that. Plus Eric, who, who joined us, he's an engineer for him. Um, he was awesome. Um, a lot of friends that we, that, you know, in the overlanding space that, that do a lot of mapping for Onyx. Uh, if I remember right, Kristen Wetton does that too, doesn't she? I don't know. I think, not that uh, I'm aware of. Yeah. If she, yeah, I'm not sure. I know there's a bunch of people doing that. They're, it's full-timers that do it. Yeah. So they're out she does, all the time. Our friends, Brett and Liz from Our Overland Life, they do it. And um, um, yeah, there's several people that we know. Um, that that yep. app, I mean, I... I uh, I used it for a while, um, main, you know, mainly because uh, maybe I just wasn't uh, familiar with it as much as like Gaia. I use Gaia, you know, mainly for everything now. But uh, I had a free trial of Onyx, um, and it was cool. I, I, uh, I think it's just preference, um, you know, the reason I'm not using it now. But, um, but it was a really, really cool interface. I mean, I think I think they've got you know, the market, I mean, there's a ton of people that I know that are overlanders. I mean, all pretty much 90% of the people I know in the space use Onyx for, for their mapping. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and me, but yeah, and I, there was a little bit there. I went with Gaia for a couple things for roads. It, it was like, it was ahead for a while with Onyx and like, I have Gaia on mine just in case, right? I, I have two backups. I have that and I have the Delorme one, uh, Earthmate uh -huh. and I learned to always have a backup just in case if the case yeah. there's a crash or a, an app crash or anything. Right. And I mean, I even carry, I still carry, you know, paper maps and, uh, and that's the boy scout in me, I guess. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, you better have, you know, CYA, right. Cover your ass. And yeah, so, you know, for me, that was like, that was, that was really important to have that, but I've noticed there's always, uh, there's, you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Certain apps have certain features that others don't. And it's really cool to be able to put them together and kind of see. And it's not like I'm like, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm going to, um, uh, you know, I'm only going to use this app to do this because they're sponsored, you know, I'm sponsored by them and do this. But like, oh, that's cool and everything. I'm still going to check some stuff out in case there's something that the other one's going to miss. And they'll be the first to tell you, you know, we don't have everything. We want to have everything. It's a matter of growth. Right. And, you know, we run with a lot of guys like I was running with Donald with soft roading and I'm like, hey, pull your app real, real quick because I know he uses Gaia. Mm -hmm. And we pulled up his guy and I looked at mine. And I'm like, well, sure, shit, 
shows beach access right there. Mine doesn't show it. Right. And, uh, you know, and that's, it's just, it is what it is, right? It's, especially yeah. when you have a new app company that comes in, they're going to grow and add that stuff to it. But it's always really cool to see, you know, both as they go. And that was a neat story or the, something we were able to show in the second episode was that it takes all these companies to create this culture we have that's called overlanding, right? Car camping. Right. And without those companies, there isn't this, right? It's still what it used to be. It was just camping in a car and there's no rooftop tents. You slept on the ground or in a hotel at the end of the day. And, you know, we've now have all these companies that are innovating shit that makes it comfortable for us. It makes it safe for us. Like these map systems are make things incredibly safe to be able to, especially us where, we leave on the road and we potentially have an Audi or like a Nate's Tiguan. We have to really be picky about what, you know, what trails we go down. If it's a seven, they're not making it right. You know, the power wagons most likely make it. Our only issue is width and length, right? As long as I can make it, it's going. Yeah. And I don't give a shit about brush or whatever paint pinstripes. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, this thing already has a shitload of pinstripes and I buy white cars because you can't see it. So, I know I wish you know a white forerunner. You should see my forerunner, dude. It's covered. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a badge of honor. The first time we were going up this this trail, ended up turning into a side by side trail, and it just got more narrow, and more narrow, and more narrow, and it ended up being like three miles long. And I just pinstriped the living crap out of the truck. Yeah, uh, it was like you know what, cost a new business. You know, she was super pissed, but I'm like, this isn't a pavement princess. You know, this is this is our rig, and and we're out you know, like you guys, you know, 150, 200 nights a year doing this. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just part of the game, you know, and, uh, there's some things you can do to prevent that. Maybe, you know, doing wraps and things like that. And I think there is some pretty cool product out there now for that to protect your original, you know, paint job. But, um, oh, for sure. some people just don't have the means or, you know, it's expensive to too. It is. Yeah. I don't have the finances to just wrap. And you're looking at five grand for a full wrap, you know, on exactly. most rigs. That's, that's a lot of money, man. It is. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, it's caught, like I said, cost of doing business. And, and I like what you said about, you know, there's, there's different tools, you know, for overlanding that we have to use. And some of them, is, you know, mapping apps, just, just the same, you know, there's some apps that have, you know, different options that, you know, that the others don't. And, and to have backups to, you know, be able to reference things to is, is, exp- is, is very important. Um, and we do the same thing. I, I use Google earth and, and Gaia or kind of my go go to and Google earth just because, you know, sometimes the maps are updated on there before Gaia gets them from Esri or wherever they get their maps of world imagery or whatever. Um, yeah. you just, sometimes, like you said, you might be like, Hey, you know, do we have access here? What's this showing or, you know, and, and there might be different data coming from different companies, you know, like Google Earth gets, you know, a lot of the same stuff that Esri does, but sometimes not. I mean, they have different sources that they get their imagery and, you know, sometimes you got to cross-reference things and make sure that, you know, the road that this map shows is there is still there or isn't crossing property or, you know, a lot of times I'll bring up like the private property um, layer in Gaia just to kind of see where we're going. Are we going across private property? Is there going to be ins and outs of this? Or are we going to get all the way to the end of this thing and it's going to be gated off and we're going to be screwed? Or, you know, not, then that's why sometimes I, uh, you know, if you have to, you can carry bolt cutters because sometimes you got to do what you got to do <laughs> to get in and out of places, you know, like. I've been in a pretty, pretty weird predicament hunting one time with that, the road that showed open and it was a BLM road, but a, uh, timber company put a gate on it. And I was like, 
I was in it. I had a, a Hemi uh, swap uh, Wrangler, and I was like, it, they don't get the greatest gas mileage, better than the six cylinders, but. I was hauling ass down this road. It was dark. I had a Nighthawk fly in and like started like biting on my feet. Um, it was the craziest shit. I was hauling ass down the road, had all my LED lights on. And at night up in near weed, they like fly in front of your car because they're looking for insects, right? From that yeah. go into the light. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one, I think I blinded it and it. I watched it fly across my windshield. And then all of a sudden it dropped down. My window was open and it dropped down into my feet and started attacking my feet. And I couldn't get, I was trying not to not squish it, but also hit my brake. And I hit the brake and put it in park and I get out and he's just sitting there all pissed off at me. So I had to go get my fucking, I had to get my, uh, my winch gloves and grab it. And it's like, just biting. It's still like you're puncturing skin. Like wow. dude, that thing, that beak on that thing was so strong. And I'm like, I remember flight, I, I throw it out and it's on the ground. I'm like, dude, you can fly away. And then it like starts coming towards me. I'm like, like total little like, sissy. Like, I just out of here. This is my house. Yeah. It's like, what's up fool. Come at me, bro. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so I jumped in my Jeep and just hauled ass away and rolled my windows up. I was like, that's not going to happen again. But yeah, I came up on this gate and it was like, I contemplated just wrapping the winch around it and breaking it, you know, and pulling it. I didn't have bolt cutters or anything. I was like, God damn it, man. I was like the conservationist in me and everything else just tells me not to do this. So I'm like, I get back on my map again and I look and I'm like, all right, I got one road and that's it. If not, man, I'm pulling fence down. And because it's an emergency situation at that point and I'll leave a note or find out whose it is and tell them I'll fix it. And yeah. Luckily I went around and I, and that opening, which it was a road that hadn't been used in a long time. And luckily, you know, I was on, you know, a Jeep on 35s, no problem, but got out and got on the highway. And I remember I was like on fumes coming into that gas station, but you know, in like the episode Christian, Kristen went on with us this third episode uh, or third part, I guess you could call it. Uh, I took them up. Um, it was the night she did the podcast with you. Oh yeah, because yeah. she did that in Chad's van, living the van life. Um, Chad Just in his van. It took you guys forever to find camp that night. It was pretty we couldn't, crazy. so the, our maps were failing us, and like we were all using different maps for the most part. And I'm like, okay, I knew of a fire road that I, we used to ride dirt bikes on. And you just went up this private drive. And at the end of the drive, you just, it, it set you up to the fire road that the fire department would use, but it was beyond BLM. Uh-huh. And, and then it would drop you down behind to this old casino in Florence, Oregon. And so I'm like, cool. Well, it wasn't showing closed or anything on my map. So I drove up and I tell everybody stay at the bottom because there's all these signs, private drive, no trespassing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I know in my 20s, I was like, you know, flipping them the bird. I'm going. So I went up, I told everybody, wait back. I went up and sure as shit, there's a gate. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And we have like 15 minutes, 20 minutes or something before her podcast with you. And you guys had already pushed it back. So, which thank you for that. That like relieved me stress wise. (laughs) And, uh, um, that allowed us to even stop and get beer. So we, uh, um, we ended up pulling, we, I'm coming back down off of this hill and this guy comes or I stop and Chris, me and Christian, who's uh, in the power, other power wagon, there's uh-huh. Christian and then Kristen. So Christian and him and I are talking, he's standing outside my door and this guy comes out from this house and he's like, Hey, can I help you guys? And we're like, yeah, man, we're just kind of lost. We're, I used to go up this road many years ago, like literally 20 years ago. And used to haul ass up through here and dirt bikes and stuff. He's like, yeah, it's private now. And this is all like an HOA now. I was like, yeah, of course it is. And, um, we're on Mercer Lake. And, uh, so we get to talking. He's like, dude, there's this boat ramp down here, uh, a 
across from the boat ramp is like a staging area where everybody parks their rigs while they're out on the lake and stuff. This is a private drive. Nobody comes out here. If anybody asks, you guys are just staying the night. And I told you, okay, my name's Travis. And uh, we're like, sure. And he's like, yeah, man, don't worry about it, man. And he's like, I'm a cop. And we're like, oh, okay, cool. We're good. We're good. Oh, that's right. So anyways, we go down and uh, we set up camp and everything. And then she's on the podcast with you. And then this truck pulls in. And I'm yelling across, hey, we're just we're doing a podcast and a photo shoot and we'll be out of here. OK. And everyone's like, OK, cool. He gets out. It's Travis. He's got a beer. And he's like, hey, guys, I wanted to talk to you. And yeah, just hang out, dude. We got smashed. And like and we're like filming most of it. Right. When he shows yeah, up, yeah. We're, we're filming. We're doing interviews. And yeah. uh, it's just wild. The next day he invites us out on his party barge onto the boat. And like, dude, it just it was so wild because it wow. start this trip starts out like. I take these guys through my childhood. Basically, I I'm from Oregon. Um, I was basically raised on the coast. I split time between the coast and Bend, Oregon. And I, I went to a high school in this little ass town called Walport, Oregon. And we went through all the back roads that I used to fish and drive. And you know, I grew up in this area. And I wanted to show them my youth. I showed them the house I grew up in. And that is a total turd hole now. I was just like looking at it and I was like, oh yeah, I used to live there, but it, it doesn't, yeah, it's not, it wasn't a meth house promise, but um, we got to do all that. And then the way Kristen got in on it is Brock, uh, my, uh, or my friend 996 off road or uh, road trip who has a 911. He was supposed to come with his uh, 911 first. Cause I was like, yeah, it's just going to be BLM roads, you know, for the most part, this is going to be gravel roads and, and we're going to go on the dunes a little bit and some beach. Um, yeah. It's not going to, we're not probably won't even get in four wheel drive. It's just going to be the fun, relaxing part of overlanding. We want to show the beauty behind it. We're going to get to camp early every night. We're just, it's the camaraderie. And then this whole, the third episode was about influencers and YouTubers. Okay. So how do you learn about overlanding? You Google it or you YouTube it, right? Right. Um, or you see it on Instagram and that's what's shaped this. It, it's what shapes any industry now. So you have these people called influencers about 87 or about 80% of them are douchebags and right. I don't want anything to do with them. And then there's that 20% pocket of really good people, yeah. you know, guys like, you know, people like living the van life and, you know, soft roading, the, uh, uh, soft roading the West. And you get to meet these people and like, you live vicariously through them through your TV or your phone or whatever you're watching them through. Right. So we wanted to film them filming their stuff, which is this weird dichotomy, right? It's this, it's like, you know, you're going to enter, you know, we're going to breach space and time by, you know, filming each other and, <laughs> yeah. and doing this crazy shit. And you, people don't understand how hard it is to make, make a living doing that, let alone make a film. It's oh, yeah. you're stopping constantly getting out, getting the shot, setting your tripod up and then checking it. Was it right? Damn it. I have to do it again. So right. we get to see them in their trial and error of all of this and what it takes to be a YouTuber and then yeah. tell their story. Be like, oh, it took me 11 years to be successful doing this. And then because people think it's an overnight success, like right. shit with Rogue Element. I, st I technically started our YouTube page and back in like 2015 doing short films with hunting and which is still on there. And back then it was just Saikan media. It wasn't even rogue rogue element only existed as a project within Saikan media. Right. And then we realized, wait a second, this beast is kind of taking a life of itself, you know? And so we switched the YouTube page to rogue element and then just started doing, we have some hunting stuff that trickles in every once in a while, but mainly it's about overlanding and off-roading and, you know, we've got some supercar stuff. Like I showed up to, I showed up to uh, 
uh, Flagstaff this year in an R8. So <laughs> I flew in and, and, and borrowed a friend's R8 and we drew me and I picked up uh, Evan and we drove in and everybody's like, we're in the gravel road section of the vendor section. Everyone's like, what the hell? We're like, yeah, we're trying to find out where our, uh, where uh, uh, free spirit is. They're putting a tent on top and, you know, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you doing? And then we ripped out of there the first night. Oh man. Yeah. Dude, I got this big lecture by security the next day. Cause we ripped out of the uh, campground doing about 50 in first gear <laughs> and it was so loud and, that, and the r8 straight pipes so uh, it's like shooting flames out the back and <laughs> anyways uh you know it uh so yeah we got to tell you know we got to tell their story about you know how hard it is to be you two and, and you know we're on year four or five of ours mm-hmm. and we're still only at like 5300 you know, s- subscribers, I've, I've never really put a lot into like promoting it or anything. It's just been organic. And yeah. while we do all this, you know, big project stuff and right. we're starting to take it more seriously along with, with, uh, uh, Instagram, which we didn't forever. It was for us, it was about TV shows and big production. And we really failed on that. We should have done it the other way around and we'd probably be a lot further, but, right. uh, live and learn. And we had a lot of fun doing it, but being able to show people, through our lens, our, you know, big cameras of what these guys are doing with GoPros and just a single DSLR and, and some drones. And they make this really cool content. That's really fun to watch. And you get to know these people and you get to, you get to find out what their life's like. And now you get to see all the hard work that goes into it. Um, but Brock wasn't able to go his Porsche. Something was wrong with his Porsche and the Land Rover, his backup overland rig, uh, he blew a radiator. And he's like, he couldn't find the part to fix it in time. Right. So I'm like, crap. So he wasn't able to make it. Fly problems and stuff. That's yeah. Huge. And then my, uh, our friend Aiden Stott, he was going to come with uh, Drew Sims. Um, Drew Sims ended up going to Iceland. And then uh, Aiden had some issues. His RTT hadn't showed up from Alucab yet and some other stuff. And I was like, hey, dude, don't sweat it. I'll find somebody. Uh so I hit up Braxton and I'm like, Hey, who do you know? I know you're with a bunch of guys. He was like Mo leisure outdoors and, or, uh, overland and somebody else. And he's like, Hey, I have Kristen here. She's badass brunette. And I hadn't heard of her at the time. So I looked her up and, and then I, I asked Gene and Christian and then, and Evan, I was like, Hey, can we make a storyline out of this? And they're like, yeah, cool. You know, it's always great to have, you know, a woman involved because then it yeah. shows that side of it too. It's not just a bunch of bros hanging out. So right, right. But cool, let's do that. And plus, her name's badass. That you know, as a motorcycle, let's do that. And then, I uh, originally we were, we were going to rent the motorcycle from her so the uh, production team could use it to zip up and down the roads. But we ended up finding out we didn't need to. Um, so I felt bad at first because she brought it and didn't really need it. But then I was like, no, this is going to be cool. We got to get her riding it. So she rode it a bunch. And we filmed it. Turned out to be like really good footage. That's so and cool. then. Uh, I get a text literally the day we're filming and Brock's like, I can't make it. I'm sorry. I'm like, shit, what are we going to do? We need another one because we have one YouTuber. We have an Instagrammer. I need another YouTuber or something. And so uh, Braxton hit up uh, Donald at Soft Roading the West. And he's like, yeah, I can do it, but I can't be there till tomorrow. So the first night was without him. And then he joins us on the second and uh it was a blast we had so much fun with him he's we got him really tanked the last night i felt bad for him we're like where's donald and he, back by his truck we're like oh shit we broke donald yeah. <laughs> but uh we, yeah. we like tell everybody at the start of our our trips we're like listen 
full disclosure, we're a bunch of pirates. We drop F-bombs constantly. We drink heavily at night and some nights. We just like to have a lot of fun, uh, but we're responsible during the day. It's all about business. We just like to laugh and have fun. And if you don't want to be involved in that, then you don't need to be a part of this. It's no sweat. You know, we get it. And uh, Donald's like, Oh, dude, I'm totally down, man. Yeah, let's do it. And he just fit right in, dude. It was so awesome. It was funny. We were giving him shit because the first night he was with us when uh, we were at the lake, he was like kind of camped away. And we're like, what are you doing, dude? So the next night we made sure that he was close to us. <laughs> like, no, you're not doing that YouTube shit you always do. You're yeah. going to be right here with us. But right. um, yeah, well, it all turned out awesome. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see that, that uh, the finished result of all this. It's going to be so cool. Um, definitely have to uh, spend some time watching the, all the uh the series and and getting it out there for you guys trying to push it a little bit for you yeah i appreciate that and it's it's uh it's been a labor of love for 10 months now going on 11 I bet. um and it's what's been, been like favorite, what's been your favorite places to, to go i mean what, like as far as filming and and just the environment that you guys were in what would you say were your you know top three of of that trip um man it's hard to beat death valley dude it's so beautiful and it's and it's beautiful in the weirdest way because there's just (laughs) it's just nothing out there right i mean it's just old abandoned everything there's very little life um but the rock formations the history uh, dude i'm a sucker for that stuff so i we had just a really good time there was so many ups and downs you'll find that in that in that that episode and it's probably my favorite because of the storylines are so rich in it, but it was just every time we turned around, it was like something new. And I went into spots I've all, you know, I've been in before and saw new stuff. Um, it had the craziest scenarios from like a silt storm in a, in the, well, we got, we hit these silt beds in the middle of a, a 70 mile an hour wind gust storm. Wow. And like, I mean, I was a lead car and had no visibility. Wow. Um, I mean, in we're winching people out, and then ten minutes later, it's we're on a we're on racetrack lake, but you know the playa, and there's not a not a not a mile an hour of wind, nothing, and just stars. Wow. It, it's just crazy. Like you don't get that anywhere else. And you know, it was we got you know, I'd never met Harry, I'd never met Jenny, I'd never met Braxton, who is a camera guy on that one also, and. Uh, that was my first time meeting um, Evan from Pollock Pictures, and dude, by the time we were done with that, we're all close. It's like it, it's like you know, I can text yeah. him and be like, "Hey, what are you doing, bitch?" You know, and then I get that back, you know, and it's like you know that that camaraderie of what you build in, in overlanding is like. There's I didn't get that in hunting industry. I haven't got it in racing, um, any of the other stuff I've done, uh, but filming in Oregon, going back to like where I grew up. And like going there when it was, the temperatures were perfect. I mean, the camera crews slept in hammocks. Um, and it, it was like in going on the coast and meeting Travis and, you know, seeing some of my old friends on the coast and where I grew up and showing people like, you know, kind of the places I, I hung out when I was in my teens. Yeah. Um, and going back to places I hadn't been to in 25 years. Uh, that was really special. Um, the second episode was just a lot of work. Yeah. Were you guys it was down, great, but were you guys down at like the, the coast, like uh, Haystack Rock area, or like what? what no, part? further. Uh, we were in Florence, Walport, Florence, Newport, Oregon. Yeah, Central Coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, the furthest we went south was like Reedsport. Okay. Yeah, so we didn't I go there. We time on on the coast there, uh, but uh, a little bit when I was younger. 
when I was a touring musician, we we took a day and um, actually a couple days and spent spent time at the coast. But I haven't been back since. That's one one area of the United States that I want to get to is the uh, Pacific Northwest and you know get to some of the events out there. Maybe next year or the year after, and and really spend some time camping up there. That's Dude, what we should do is uh, that we haven't plan to be up at PNW. I'll be up there. Um, I, I, I mean, Bend is my hometown. That's like July 10th, I think. It's like like right, it's the weekend after Fourth of July. Okay. Um, but if you want to, I'll, dude, I'll give you a tour up there. Uh, I just did one that's really fun. If you end up going up there, especially if you go with your family, start at the Oregon California border on 101 and go all the way up and hit all the lighthouses. Oh yeah. There's eight awesome. lighthouses, and I just did that with my kids. Wow. Um, it, I just I took my two older kids and we just uh, we slept in a tent the whole time and and uh, cruised up and. Uh, I think we hit all but two lighthouses and uh, then we went inland and it was just blazing hot. Holy hell, it was hot. Um, and then we had to cut the day, uh, cut it short because my I have an 85 Wagoneer that I'm restoring and it was out parked on the street and somebody towed it. So I was like, oh, I had to come back a day late or day early. I was so pissed. Yeah. Oh, dude, I know this last trip that we just came back from, uh, I got like probably a week from being home. I got pictures of a massive tree into my garage. Into my oh. Yeah, just destroyed the roof and uh so we came home we didn't come home early but um luckily i have just amazing neighbors i live in this cul-de-sac and just everybody on our cul-de-sac is incredible oh, uh, i love that and uh, they took care of business for me while i was gone and and then uh, got back but that was not something that was fun to to come home to i had to cut that tree down it was like 115 degrees out at you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and yeah, I actually like started at seven o'clock in the morning, started cutting this thing down, and it's the first time in a long time that I've had it had heat exhaustion. Um, and uh, got to about ten o'clock, and I was just done, dude. Like couldn't couldn't cool down, just just unbelievable. Um, but that was not uh, not a fun experience. No <laughs> doubt, know, man. Being on the road for a month, a full month with your family, uh, you know, off grid to come home to that, but you know, I don't do heat, man. Stuff. Screw that. Yeah, you know that's that's why I was asking uh, about you know some of the events up there I, I think this next summer we're going to try and get out again and, and try and stay out of the heat a little bit more uh we've been talking about maybe maybe uh getting a an airbnb or something in, in big bear which is southern california where we're from um and doing that for a month and going out and camping for a month and then doing something else for a month and kind of trying to be out of here for three or four months out of the summer because it's just unbearable where we're at you know it's we're river rats we're, we like being on the water but we also like being out camping and you just can't do that around here, you know, and, and for several of those months, it's just you can't go outside. I mean, I've got an AC unit in my garage, an AC unit in my house because you can't even do anything working on your rigs or anything because it, you know, it's 140 degrees in your garage, you know. Um, yeah, for no weeks, way, man. You know, and it, you go outside, and it's like 126. You're like, oh, that's that's awesome. It's like Death Valley, you know. <laughs> We have a guy over here. It's funny. I just noticed there's the chat over here. So I opened it yeah, up. It's funny. It's Half of them are my friends giving me shit. But uh, this guy, I wanted to answer this because this guy said, uh, Eric Manaska, uh, Manaxa, I think he says 1% will discuss tread lightly. Unfortunately, yeah. I am definitely part of that 1% probably. Um, all three of our episodes, we talk about tread lightly. Um, that's something like you'll see on the back of our trucks. We have a, uh, we have a decal that says uh, stop geotagging. Um, something I'm really passionate about and I wear a hoodie and a shirt in there. It says stop fucking geotagging <laughs> with this really pissed off bear. That's holding a bat. That looks like he's a uh, uh, Negan from walking dead. Um, <laughs> I did nothing pisses me off worse than that. Um, everything we do is tread lightly. Uh, we don't 
really mention the trails we're on during filming for the most part. Uh, There's some that are just like so big, like Titus Canyon. I mean, dude, you, it doesn't matter where you go. People are going to know exactly what it is. It's the, it's probably the, I think, I think, uh, man, it's been years since I looked, but I think it's the most traveled overland trail and it's not overland. I mean, you can get in a, a Honda Civic can damn near do that trail. Um, you know, if the conditions are right, but, uh, it's just so gorgeous. Um, I think there was a, a part in Death Valley where I think we mentioned that, and we might have mentioned racetrack Playa, but I don't think we mentioned any other, anything else. And then uh, the Bend Alvord, we don't mention an actual road; we just say where we're going, and then a couple of the locations. And then the the third one, uh, it's <laughs> good luck finding out where we're there. It's just back forest roads that are all numbered, but we don't show any of the numbers, and that's something that's really important to me because I. And it's something like, you know, we're with Onyx and every once in a while they'll do something that like really bugs the shit out of me. Like right now they're doing this ghost town thing that I don't like because they're going to show ghost towns and they're going to get flooded with yeah. people going in there that see it. There, there's there's a give and take for that. Right. But for the most part, I, I just won't get with a company that geotags. I, I, I think it's the worst thing on social media. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been up trails and all of a sudden there's just trash everywhere. The trails destroyed, you know, they close shit down all the time. Like, I mean, they close parts of Alabama Hills down because yeah. it's just overrun is all that stuff. Oh, all of it. And, and there's guys like me who, and there, there's a guy and I'm going to give a shout out to this and I hope he's watching. You probably will watch it. But his name's Jared the cloud. And he helps do most of the stuff at friends of Oceano dunes. Um, and uh he's heavily involved with corva and this guy is like you want to talk about somebody who's fighting the good fight for off-roaders and dude, i'll do anything i can to like help uh you know them get their word out or like you know give my uh we haven't put anything in actual writing or anything but i'm trying to do a docu-series for them um just for friends of oceana dunes and corva about all the good things that they're doing and keeping our so good to put that out dude it, and it needs to be out there more because what happens is dude i'm in almost every single one of these town hall meetings and zoom meetings with with all these whack job idiots that lie their teeth or lie through their teeth to these you know who you know heads of state and you know, like directors of, of public parks and, and recreation and stuff. And they are believing these weirdos and like fake yeah. biologists yeah. and these numbers that like we're, we're showing the facts that, that they're lying. Yeah. And then it's all of a sudden there's right now, <laughs> dude, I know it's like, God damn it, man. I can't believe how much people fall for that stuff, man. We're the same way as you. I, I, I will geotag my, like my some of my photos in the area that we're in like the state or you know the town but i i don't geotag like trails and stuff but there's some some people that will contact us and ask us hey you know i'm i'm going into this area with my family you know what do you recommend what trails are easy what trails are good for this kind of vehicle and things like that and i really vet people before i give that information out we're, we're the exact same way um you know there's i thought about for for a time doing a patreon and and you know adding subscribers and, and giving them, you know, like a, a secret location to go to like every month. But even then I'm like reluctant to do that. Cause I don't want to give, give those spots out and have those people send those out to the masses, you know, cause like you said, man, you go to these places. I mean, we were just in places even this year um, that we've been over the last several years that were like so much different, you know, as far as, you know, trash and people. Yeah. They were hidden gems and, you know, yeah. I love that people are getting out and, you know, it's, it's almost like, 
you know, some of it you can't stop. Like you said, you know, there's there's areas people are going to recognize places. They're going to see the photos. They're going to see the video and be like, I know where this is. I didn't know that this was, you know, accessible or whatever. And people are going to go pillage and and things. But, um, you know, I, we're the same way as far as conservation, man. I, I think it's super important to leave that legacy for our kids and leave those things for our kids to see, you know. And, and what sucks is there's a lot of people like you and I and, and other people that we know that are passionate about, about overlanding and conservation and the outdoors. And then you got the weekend warrior people that are, are seeing those places and going out and ruining them for the people like us that are spending long-term, you know, uh, long periods of time in these places where, um, you know, all it takes is a day and someone can totally destroy something and totally prevent the rest of us who respect these areas um, you know, they yeah, can that and then, you know, put up those red flags with BLM or the Forest Service or whoever it is um, to go shut those places down. And that's happened a lot. I, I used to see it a lot. I was heavily into mountain biking um, when we lived in Big Bear for a while, you know, as we lived right next to the resort. So I was like, I got to get into this because this is my backyard. And oh, yeah. And it was such a bummer, man. There was like so many amazing trails that I remember riding that were just so fun and like at my level and just incredible. Uh, scenery on the way down, just it was awesome. And then the next season, they shut them all down because people were destroying them. Yeah, they just got inundated with people because they started adding them to maps and you know public maps and all this stuff. And they weren't just like you know the locals like Coyote Trail or Pirates. You know they they uh, started placing them on all these these uh, mountain biking maps and things. And and then uh, people just started ruining it. So. Um, it's something we need to be careful of. It's something we need to be respectful of and, uh, and keep being those ambassadors, um, you know, uh, for the areas that we enjoy and, 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 um, and keep a, some, keep some of that stuff close to our heart, you know, because, uh, like I said, there's a ton of whack jobs out there, man. And, and they're ruining it for us in all sorts of different ways, not only overlanding, but, you know, in all different ways in, of life. And, and, uh, we got to do what we can to prevent that from happening for sure. Yeah, and a lot of it too with this geotagging is is you get the the worst negative side about that is you get the in in overlanders are the, some of the worst about this is they'll like they'll take a picture of like parked in a fucking waterway or yeah uh, you know going like off a trail or something and then they geotag it and then now you have like all these other dipshits that think it's okay because yeah. that person did it and they use that excuse well this guy's doing it like really. Yeah. You know, use the whole, would you jump off a bridge, you know, type of deal. And it's like, and you can't get through to these morons. They're, they're just like, and I hate doing it because then I'm like this boomer dick that is like, oh, you, you know, you should be doing this. And, and I feel like a total douche when I do it, but it's like, what's the alternative? The alternative is exactly what you just talked about. It's getting closed. And, and then what happens is these whack jobs, they print the photo out and they bring it to this these town hall meetings and they do it in droves yeah. because for every one of us, there's 10 of them. Yep. And, you know, even though we're the ones fitting the bill for it, you know, it's our permits that pay for it. It's the companies we deal with and, uh, you know, purchase our stuff from, they, they pay into it. And especially on the hunting side and uh, they don't pay shit, but then they yep. get it all closed down so they can walk out there and look at their birds. And, yep. you know, and Oceano Dunes was that prime example that when people aren't out there, it gets worse. And, um, yeah, so it's we try to be the ambassadors, I guess you could say, to that to a degree as much as we can. But um, yeah, to answer Eric's questions, we we go over that, and I think every episode there's there's some type of conservation where we talk a little bit about tread lightly, and every 
trip we went on, we came out with multiple bags of trash um, that we saw every place we camped. And there's some places that we were just like, we had to give up. It was like, I don't have anywhere to put all this stuff. And I mark it and, you know, send it to a friend like, Hey, can you go grab this? Or, you know, to a local spot, like chamber of commerce or something like, Hey, we found this up here. If you guys could, you know, find somebody to volunteer to go clean it up, you know, I'd be willing to send them a growler or something with our name on it. If they can show us that they picked it up. Yeah. You know, we try to do stuff that more than anything, I think even more so than, than trash, just because of the destruction um, that it causes is we come across campfires all the time. Oh my God. Trail that aren't out and the wind picks up. Uh, we, we came across one one day in the Grand Canyon, actually South Rim and the wind picked up, like you said, you know, 50, 60 mile an hour gusts, like you guys were experiencing it, you know, out on that trip. And, uh, this fire was go- This campfire was going and it was blowing all the embers into the brush and the brush and trash and everything else was starting to catch on fire. And if we wouldn't have been the ones that, that came across that, you know, who the hell knows how much of that vegetation and how much of that forest would have been lost um, to fire in that, in that windstorm. And, uh, and that pisses me off as a firefighter myself. It's like, you know, how ignorant people are, how, you know, lack of common sense with putting fires out, you know, like people just leave it and they think, Oh, it's just going to burn out. And it's, that's going to be the end of it. No, man. Yeah, yeah. It definitely doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's just I watched a cigarette, but have like we came up i was fishing with my uncle and this is a long time this is like 2002 2003 maybe probably 2002 and we were i like we drive up and we're looking for a spot to fish and i look down i, I think we get out to take a piss and i look down and i see smoke mm-hmm. and it was a it was a cigarette like a cigarette butt and i like i remember stomping on it just thinking it was out and then um and then it started it was still smoking the ground was smoking and i put my hand over it and it was really hot yeah. And dude, it was like, it was probably over a foot deep because uh, it was all pine needles below and it had just keep burning down and down. Do we ended up, I had to go down to the river. We, we uh, found like empty beer cans and we were taking them down and like filling them up with water and bringing it back and try, try to put it out and then found a little mini shovel and like shoveled it all out. And it just, the ground was black, like a foot deep. You're like all that from this little ass cigarette. You know, it's crazy. Um, a long time ago when I first got on the fire service, this was like 2003, 2004. There was a fire in Southern California called the Old Fire, and it was in Big Bear, and it burned like it was like the biggest fire in California's history at the time. Now there's been several that have been way bigger, but yeah. uh, it was something like I don't know, three hundred thousand acres or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that winter, the fire burned in that duff, which we call duff, which is that you know, one to two feet of pine needles and stuff over the years that just builds up and builds up. And the, the fire burnt in the root systems and in that duff all winter long under the snow. And come spring, we had wind events and stuff, and the fire sparked up in spots. Holy hell. Yeah, that had been burning through the root systems and under the, in, in those pine needles and stuff under the snow all winter long. For Whoa, yeah, that's like crazy. A, trying to remember that that town. I think it's in Virginia or somewhere, and it's like a uh, it was like a coal mining area. Oh, yeah, I just watched a thing on that. Yeah, it's still it, going. Yeah, just continually. For they said for like a thousand years it'll go. Yeah, it's just like that. You know, it just burns under the ground and then through these root systems and stuff. It's just unbelievable. You know, you think well the the you think the water you know from the snow would just percolate down through the ground and put that stuff out, but that duff is so thick and so deep. Um, you know, it just gets in those those little uh, systems on the ground and and keeps on rocking. So unbelievable how that works. But yeah, that's one thing that gets under my skin is just like you know. You, you don't have enough common sense to drown your your campfire if you're done with it with water or cover it with dirt or something to prevent 
you know, the wind from, from sparking things up, all it takes is one little ember, man. And that's, you know, that's the whole forest, you know, it's a lot, a lot of the, the reason that we get forest fires and stuff is, um, you know, it's all human cause and from, you know, from campfires or like you said, cigarette butts or, or, uh, a lot of times we have people that are, you know, out in the, these rural areas, you know, um, mowing their, their fields with a, you know, lawnmower and stuff. And it kicks off a spark on a rock, you know, and, or they hit a rock and it kicks a spark off into the vegetation and there it's on like Donkey Kong, you know, and mm-hmm. people just don't realize how easy it is. And, and, uh, and now that we're in this drought, um, you know, it's definitely not climate change. It's just freaking a drought that we, you know, we've had before in the, in the past. And if, if you look at history, this has happened before. It's not like the world's ending, like they make it sound. Oh, yeah. Well, but, that, uh, that, that doesn't sell votes, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, we're in this drought. You know, we've had this, this dry spell in, in winter seasons and stuff, and, and things are volatile, and you know, and um, it's just uh, these waves that we go through. You know, the world goes through, and the, these areas go through in, in time and history, and um, we happen to be in one right now, and, and it's super dangerous. And I would encourage people that are listening to this out there to, to be careful, you know, do what you need to do. Use, you know, uh, your due diligence, you know, be responsible, care about what you're doing, pay attention to what you're doing because be prepared. Uh, yeah. yeah. Carry extra water, shovels. Yeah. Like you said, man, it, you know, bring those extra tools. You never know what you're going to need. And uh, never know, man. Yeah. And it's super important. And, and these places aren't going to be here anymore and they're going to be closed and they're going to be shut off because, you know, people, these idiot people from, you know, I, I want to say from the city, but they're everywhere. You know, we used to call them oh, city. Yeah. It's city. It's from when I lived up in the mountains. The white uh, trash is almost worse. White yeah. trash from podunk ass towns who like to think they're, you know, their mattresses, they put too many miles on it with, you know, Tammy Lynn down the street and uh you know that mattress goes over a cliff and then eventually becomes you know fuel yeah and it, it's yeah it, growing up like especially in Waldport going up in in those back country roads all the time it was just trash over the side of a cliff all the time because they yep. just didn't have the money to go to the dump or something or right. ask for help and and it's like oh it costs us more in the long run doing that you know well, I would rather do. somebody yeah. call me and they yeah don't. I would rather somebody call me and just be like hey you know, can I borrow 50 bucks to go to the dump? Like, yeah. dude, I will help you. I'll, I'll help you do it. $50 to go to the dump. <laughs> yeah. Just don't put it on the public lands. Just yeah. for the love of God, don't do that. And you know, and a lot of that too is like, like we want people to enjoy the public lands. That's what it's there for. It's yours. Right. Yeah. We're, uh, I learned this a long time ago from a guy named Lan Tawney, who's the, uh, you know, the president and founder of backcountry hunters and anglers. And he's like, you know, we live like Kings. We have 600 million acres of, of, of land that we own it's ours that's my land and when you look at it in that perspective is i want you out enjoying it because it's yours you know you pay taxes you know for it just like i do go out and enjoy it but part of the adventure is finding the spot you know it's figuring it out okay where is it okay you know maybe you saw it on geotagging right well now you got to get there so how are you going to get there and but like for me Every trip I go on, like, well, I was talking to Gene today, like Gene and I were talking about it because I just shot a, uh, I just shot, uh, I did a photo shoot for my truck. It's going in a magazine next month. I can't say who it is yet, but uh, we we're talking about like, okay, where do we go on our next trip? You know, or where do we do the photo shoot? And I'm like, I'm pulling up my map and I'm looking for one maps that are listed on the, on the map that I paid into. Right. Yeah. So 
but it's not being geotagged, right? So then I, I look at it and then I see some pictures that are on it and they're usually shitty pictures. So, and there's not enough of them to really give me an idea of it, but it's enough to spark my interest and be like, okay, cool. I'm going to find that. And then while I'm out there, oh, hell, look, there's six other roads I can go on. Maybe one of them is kind of gnarly. Maybe one, there was a washout or something that is going to let me get in a four low and put my lockers on. And, and that is like the adventure. That's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about some dickhead from LA went out in his like, you know, whatever rig he has that has every single, you know, item on it in the world. And it maybe does one trail a year. And he only, he's yep. only going up there for an Instagram photo. Right. And then, and then geotags, it didn't spend the night, didn't pick up any trash, probably left some. And then he's just doing more damage than anything else. Yeah. And then there's the adventurist. And then the, you know, the, I'm starting to see overland influencers be a little bit more, uh, savvy about this and like conscious and responsible, um, I got in a big feud and, and whether or not he even remembers it or anything, but um, I got in a huge argument with uh, Brad from Trail Recon because he was geotagging everything and he was doing uh, his his videos. He was putting exact uh, GPS location or coordinates where he was at and I just lost it. And whether or not I'm the reason or not, I mean, I don't know. Um, there was like a me- small mediation between me and another sponsor that we shared and I was just like, I'm just not going to do this. I'm not going to be, if you guys are going to be quiet about it to your biggest, the biggest influencer in overlanding, and you're not going to do something about it, then I don't want to be partnered with you. And it's, he has 300 at the time, 300 something thousand followers on YouTube. Wow. And the, you know, the response I got was, it's kind of my thing. It was like, well, it's kind of your thing. And now all 300,000 people have followed you. And that's not fair to our public lands. And I, again, I want them out there doing it. Just find it yourself. Yeah. Do the adventure, do the work, put it in, have exactly. And and there's a lot of people out there are going to be like, well, I don't know how to do it. Awesome. Now there's people like, there's people like trail recon who do awesome stuff, like show you how to do it. Yeah. Right. He's got how many hundreds of videos of like how to build your rig and what, you know, how to do this on a trail and how to make your coffee a million times and, or how to do this. And it's like, there's all these channels out there that are doing that living the van life that guy shows you how to do it in, in a van yeah that's why we're doing this too man i want people to be exactly to enjoy educate yourself and do it the right way yeah and, and you know for the influencers if there is any watching just just be responsible responsible about it you don't you don't geotagging doesn't do anything for you sure you might get a couple followers off it who actually see you on that geotag location right and they're thumbing through it and they see you and follow you because they like your pictures or videos or something. But in the end, it does more bad than good. And if you're doing it for the followers, you're just being a self-righteous douchebag and yep. and you shouldn't be doing that in the, in the first place. So, I mean, it, it is what it is, but you know, I agree with you. 100%. At the end of the day, it's, we all, we all have to play our part and that's a part of the tread lightly. And I don't follow tread lightly to a T and neither does tread lightly to be completely honest. They support people with geotag. I see it all the time. But uh, we're human, you know, we're human error. So, um, you know, there's always that little level of forgiveness. And as long as you learn from it, as long as I learn from it, I, I screw up every day. And I try to better myself by, you know, learning, learning from others and learning from my mistakes. And that's all you can ask for at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what shapes us, man. That's what makes us who we are, you know, and, and builds our character. And I think it's important, you know, I'm the same as you. I, I agree 100%. And uh, I've made mistakes too. And um, done stupid stuff out, you know, out camping and, and traveling and stuff over the years when I was young. And now that I'm older, I, I, uh, learn from those mistakes and I try and teach my kids, you know, to appreciate 
um, you know, things that might not be there for the rest of our lives. You know, you think, oh, the forests and all these places are going to be here forever. They might not be here forever, you know, the access to them at least. And um, it's important to enjoy them responsibly and, um, you know, and show respect for these beautiful, beautiful creations that the good old Lord has, has provided us, man. And, you know, not not that many people in the big scheme of things get to enjoy what we're getting to enjoy. We, we are privileged to be able to get out, you know, with our health, you know, and, and our financial status and whatever your, your situation is, um, to be able to get out there and enjoy these areas, because there's probably 90% of people on this earth that never leave their homes. They never leave their town. They never get out and travel. And there's a small percentage as, as much as it seems like a huge amount of people. That's a very, very minute amount of people that get to do what we get to do. And, and, um, and it's important for us to, uh, to preserve that as, as much as we can, you know, for the next, absolutely the next group. So, but well, dude, I, uh, I really, really enjoy, uh, talking with you and stuff. I know it's been an hour and a half. I should probably let you get, <laughs> it's getting late, <laughs> but dude, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And absolutely, man. Thanks for having me pathways and all the rad stuff you guys are doing. I cannot wait to get out with you. Maybe next year we can get something going and, like we've yeah. been talking, maybe get out and do some filming and uh, and camping and sharing some some ideas and some places that we can keep secret between the two of us. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we always in hunting, we always said about, like, "Hey, man, where'd you catch that fish?" No, tell them Creek, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I want to get down that way now that it's cooler. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, screw that hundred, you know, hundred degree heat. Oh, Even yeah. we were there. actually talking about it. We're like, when do we go down there? And uh, I have a friend that lives in in um, Scottsdale. Uh-huh. And my grandmother, my grandmother actually lives in Scottsdale now. And oh, wow. so I'm like, I'm like, dude, I want to go back. And, you know, I spent some time, we, we left the, uh, we left Flagstaff early and went up to Jerome. Uh, I'm a huge tool fan. And so we went up to like check out Maynard stuff and yeah. went and ate at his Austria. Oh dude, we had so much fun up there and ripped through all those hills there too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I bought a bunch of bottles and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Caduceus and Merkin and Hidden Hand. And then he's got a place down in, in Scottsdale now and then Osteria down there. And so I want to kind of go in and out of there. But we saw some really cool shit there near Prescott and those areas. I was like, dude. Born. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And I, my friend Travis lives in Prescott now. So I was like, dude, let's do that. Let's go through there and then like kind of make our way up. I still, I've only been to the Grand Canyon once. I've never overlanded anywhere near it. I've never done that. But I figured if we start down there and then make our way up, maybe get into Moab and then kind of cruise back. But I was like, I want to do that. Here, or if you guys come down and I'll, I'll try and get on a, at least a leg of it with you guys or something and show you, Absolutely. Show you guys some of the places we've been to out there. We spent a ton of time in, in the Grand Canyon. There's one place that that I've talked about before on a podcast, but I'm not going to talk about it anymore because it's an amazing spot. But I will show you. Uh, it's around the Grand Canyon. It is like one of the most probably – of all the places I've been to, I'm telling you, this is probably top three. It is. Oh, incredible. love those spots, man. Incredible. And, uh, well, yeah, let's do it. Like, like uh, beginning of February. I'm down. Okay. Yeah. When you guys come out, let me know. And I'll, I'll, uh, okay. I'm going to take you guys to that spot. We'll, just... we'll have dates in the next week or two. We've been, we've been really pushing, like if we want to find a date to get out of the state and, uh, cause we've done so much stuff here. It's starting to get repetitive. And, um, I was like, dude, I want to go on like a week long road trip maybe a little longer. We'll, you know, we'll just hit the freeways and then start in Arizona and just come all the way up in, into Utah and then we'll go home. 
Oh yeah, dude. There's. I don't know if you're into. Uh, all, I mean, you talked about the mines, mining towns, and stuff that you guys hit. Oh, my, that's my favorite. That and any kind of Americana. That's my favorite. Me too. Yeah, we we named our son after Bodie Ghost Town. I don't know if you've ever been a Bodie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His name. That's one of the ones they're pushing right now on some Instagram shit. I got old butter yeah, about today. I love that <laughs> so much, man. It's but, so uh, rad. Yeah, but I'm I'm totally into that. And there's a lot of places out here, just even like near my house here, um, a lot of old ghost towns and things that all I could show you guys. You guys would love. Hell yes, absolutely down for that, man. I'll bring my metal detector. Heck yeah. <laughs> I got a gold, I got a, an auto panner. I've got a, a dry washer. I got all sorts of stuff. So we can have. Oh yeah. You're ahead of me. I got, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a pan and the pen and a, everything else I've always just panned. Right. That's the only thing I ever, I ever did then for Christmas last year, my wife got me a metal detector and I haven't even used it yet. Oh. I brought it on two of the trips we've gone on and never even pulled it out. I'm not so. good at, with metal detecting, but I, I have got one too. I, I need to get out there. Maybe we can just make a day of it and go. Uh, yeah, we'll dork it up, dude. Out there with just wandering around. <laughs> Some headphones on. <laughs> it was like a walking podcast. <laughs> we had 20 acres. Uh, I had a gold claim um, until last year. We let it go because it wasn't producing like we wanted to, and it was, wasn't worth it. But uh, I'm looking yeah. for some 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 properties, some other uh, prospects. Oh, yeah. That's property. awesome. Yeah, it's uh, got quite a bit of pay from it um, still that I need to process, but it just wasn't producing like enough to make you know the the yearly permitting and the yearly uh, fees to the the BLM worth it. But um, yeah, looking at some other spots that I, I found some old G- USGS maps from the 1960s where they did some prospecting out north of here, um, and it's right on the border of a huge operation, a gold operation that's current, and then right on the border of city limits. So I'm like, there's like these little slivers that I'm kind of kind of eyeballing it might might uh, be profitable but we'll see but uh That's maybe we'll awesome. get you out here and do want to do that for a day and, and show you oh yeah down always down for that yeah well where can people find you man where can people find uh divergent pathways uh why don't you tell everybody again just to the people that kind of came in yeah so divergent pathways will be it's on november 23rd uh some point in the day we don't know it just goes up right amazon just doesn't tell a shit um it just goes up so on the 23rd, just check, um, yeah, hopefully by midnight, um, that morning it'll go up. Uh, it'll also be on our YouTube channel, which is really easy to find. It's just youtube.com backslash rogue element. Or if you just, you know, search rogue element, you're going to find us. You'll see the green Eagle and everything else that's on there. Um, and even and if you're there or want to go there now, it's, uh, we have, holy hell, probably 120 something episodes of just random overlanding and a little bit of hunting sprinkled in, but everything from back when I owned my Jeep and forerunner to, uh, you know, both of my Rams and the Wagoneer and Christian's rigs and the Audi and the Raptor. We got a lot of stuff with the Raptor. We got Rowdy and the Raptor. Um, uh, and then, uh, uh, you can find us on Instagram at rogue. It's at rogue element adventure, all one word. Um, that's a, probably the easiest way to find us. And we're pretty active on there. We talk to everybody. If you DM us or talk to us, we're within minutes on that one. Um, but yeah, so that they're both going to debut on both YouTube and there, if you want to watch it in 4k, I'd recommend going to YouTube. Um, and then, uh, if you just want to watch it on Amazon, you can watch it that way too. Sweet. Well, we're definitely going to watch it for sure. And, uh, Make sure awesome. you get some, some clips and stuff, man, that we can push. We'll push it for sure for you guys. So, yeah, we have uh, – if you go on YouTube right now, you can see the first of four previews. There's or the first two of the four. So there's already two. There's one for the overall project uh, without narration. Then the second one is just for Death Valley. 
Um, so that's the first episode. The next one you're going to see is for the second episode. And then the one after that is for the third and last episode. Um, and then by that time it hits, then you get about a week of lag and then there will be the full thing. Awesome. Well, if you want to send us some clips via Instagram, man, we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. We'd love to. So, well, thank you everybody. That's been sticking around with us. Uh, been seeing some people coming in and coming out and, uh, we're going to post the audio of this as well, just like we normally do for all our podcasts. And thank you again, Jeff for being here Thank you. and uh so good to get to know you a little bit better and look forward to doing some more stuff with you and you guys have a wonderful yeah. rest of the week brother you too man stay safe out there all right you too we'll talk to you soon man all right later bro all right bye-bye Wild Country. Rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.